Mike Kirk. Moment of truth. We're shifting gears hard. This is like when uh, this is like doing a J turn in the Fast and the Furious. Like we're pulling out of the we're pulling out of the news, and we're going into Malignant, directed by James Wan, who of course uh, his claim to fame is is probably the Conjuring universe. I would say also directed Insidious. Also directed Aquaman and Furious 7, so the Fast and the Furious thing totally works in this um, in this setting. So he's he's done a bit of everything, but we're talking Malignant right now, Kirk. And you, my friend, have the honor of synopsing this film. Best of yes, luck much like much like his career, James Wan is a little all over the place in this movie. Um, we'll tell you by the end of this review whether we think that he pulled it together or not. So listen to the whole episode. Don't fast forward talking to your wife, Cam Wiggs. Uh, and I want to just say this movie starts in such a bizarre way that it almost seems like it, like episodic uh, that I watched it. I consumed it. I forgot about it entirely. Um, and then the movie just takes takes a whole nother world of its own. We, we find a woman named Madison uh, who begins pregnant and then unfortunately devastating loses her baby. She, she's lost a number of them. Uh, and through, through a, a multiple, multiple horrible things that have happened in her life, crazy things start to unfold. We discover that, uh, there is a an imaginary friend per se uh, that she has been kind of haunted by, and she has to uncover a little bit more of that from her life. She finds she remembers that she's adopted, and that everything before that is blank. And she tries to resurface those memories uh, through her mother and through her uh, her sister. And what we find is an absolutely insane world where. This girl, Madison, can actually see murders happening uh, for different people, and she's trying to connect the dots. And ultimately, she finds out, quite literally, that she um, attempted, basically, to absorb her twin brother, Gabriel, and it was unsuccessful, so it became more of an actual parasite in this form of uh, think of think of Voldemort in uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, yep. uh, where Voldemort is on the back of of your boy's head, wrapped in uh, wrapped in the head wrap. That's basically what it is, just uh, turned up to eleven because this thing has arms and legs and is like cracking out of her skull by the end of this film. This this horror movie is something that has. Uh, some camp to it. This horror movie has something uh, so unique with the take that the director has not really put his foot in, which is a lot of gore. It's mostly been shock factor, jump scares, and uh, letting the audience choose. So this movie is big on a lot of fronts. Malignant will keep you up at night and have you scratching your head at the same time. Love it. All right, Kirk, how do we want to do this? Do you, do you, do you have acting superlatives that you can share? Um, I could, I could, we could, yeah. What do you think? So we could go either way. And the only reason I say that is, is not, a should not be an indication that I do not like this movie. It's just an indication of the, the flow of this movie is that it is intentionally campy. This is my take. It is an intentionally campy and absurd film. So everybody, in my opinion, their acting performances sort of fit within 
what they were supposed to do, like mission accomplished type thing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, and maybe this is oversimplifying it. I don't think it was a situation where it's like, like they had to intentionally be campy and and a little bit cheesy. So it's like not, yes. it's not like some masterful acting performance. I still think it took work. I still think it was difficult, but I'm just saying like it's hard to it's hard to analyze them up next to each other because they're all basically given the same brief and uh executing it. But we can we can talk about it if you want to. Hmm, maybe we use like jump them as jumping off points, but don't really I don't know, dwell on them because because of their performances in the in the scope of the concept of this film, it's difficult, especially to kick it off with best actor because yeah. So you bring up a good point. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I think what this comes down to, and everybody who's seen this movie is going to know immediately what we're talking about here. Everybody who hasn't, it's not going to make sense. So usually you would re- watch the movie first anyway for our spoilerful reviews, like we do. But whatever. The whole crux of evaluating this movie comes down to one thing, and that is this movie is exceptionally self-aware, in my opinion, and I think that's what they were going for. It is intentionally absurd and crazy um, for effect, and you know the whole debate is really like, did the effect make it a good movie? Did the twist make it a good movie? Did the self-awareness make it a good movie? Um, and really we've seen <clears throat> over the last few years, I mean, it's been around forever, but certainly in the last couple decades, we've seen an increase in films that are super self-aware and, and, and play off of that. I think the Lego movie is a great example. Like a lot of the jokes they make and things like that are very meta and self-aware and for a specific effect. And, um, you know, you know, like the Phil, uh, the Phil Lord, Chris Miller, that duo has made an entire career out of making these self-aware films. You know, Twenty One Jump Street, things like that. Um, and this one's like that too, where if you didn't know anything, you would go in and say this is a campy, terrible horror movie. But then the question is like, but if the if the director was trying to make an absurd and terrible movie, then is it still absurd and terrible or is it genius because they knew what they were doing that's basically the argument that you have to unpack to evaluate this movie yeah let's start there let's start there this is an open forum on popcorn for breakfast yeah let's get weird let's let's kick off with campy so i think that the movie threw me because because the opening couple of minutes are critical to the foundation of this film but I found them extremely forgettable at the same time. Um, so I kind of got, I kind of was at a disadvantage. So in my mind, I don't think it should have opened up with the video diary. Maybe it should have just opened up with your, the doctor uh, just running down the hall, maybe speaking to another doctor that was there, something of that effect. Because rewatching it, I feel like if you start me off on a handy cam, I'm not really going to listen to you because I feel like it's a throwaway tactic if it's done at the beginning of the film versus later in the film uh, as far as storytelling goes. And then as I watched it back in preparation for this film, thinking of, okay, can't be, okay, you know, then I scanned through the movie like, okay, yep, obviously, you know, guy gets his arm broken and he screams like a girl, can't be. Uh, The way that that one of the victims gets just like stabbed to death, very campy. His death was campy, very gory. I thought about uh, films from like Sam Raimi 
in that there's a campiness to that, but there is a realness to it as well. I mean, even think about Spider-Man 2 where Doc Ock is waking up and the and all he's killing every doctor in the room. It's campy, but it's also actually horrifying when, when it's happening. And I just, I feel like I would have rather have had that effect or there was kind of a mixture in this film. Yeah, so I, I would disagree with you on that just pers- for personal preferences because... And it could be a difference in just like the how this all went down. When I watched the movie, I watched that opening scene, and then as soon as that scene concluded, my wife walked in the room and started talking to me, so I paused it. And she was like, what's this movie you're watching? And I was like, ah, it's called Malignant. I don't know anything about it. But based on the opening, I think this is going to be an absolutely absurd and campy horror film. Like, I actually said that out loud. Um, and so it stuck with me in the sense that, like, this opening is – completely absurd and very derivative and cliche for the genre. They, like, like Kirk said, you've got the, the, you know, like the handy cam, you know, Blair witch thing going on. You've got a monster thing from behind the doors, killing people, throwing their bodies across the room. You know, uh, these really cheesy lines and staring into the camera and things like that. Like, it's got all of these things that you expect to see in the genre for a really bad horror film. So I was like, well, they're either setting up an absurd film intentionally or they've made a bad horror movie. <laughs> like That's basically where I was at right there. Um, it, In my opinion, it ends up turning out later that this was the intention all along. But they do a pretty significant gear shift coming out of that first scene where they go from that into what feels like a very traditional horror film that Mm -hmm. is trying to take itself seriously for like the next 30 to 45 minutes with like some pretty thoughtful jump scares that are actually pretty good. They get you kind of chilling. You don't know what's going on. Um, So yeah, I mean, it, it changes gears and then slowly and then rapidly goes back to the absurdity. So it all comes full circle. Yes. Yes. I think that because of the back and forth, um, it really was, it was a little rocky for me, like not bad filmmaking because overall, um, the flow of it, the storytelling made sense. There was never a part where I'm like, how did we get here? Yeah, yeah, Um, sure. But, uh, the fact that it kept jumping back and forth, I wish that it would have crescendoed. Um, and then decrescendoed or crescendo, decrescendoed crescendos, right? It was just hard cuts to different strategies on the film where I think that was why it was more disjointing for me. Yeah. Let's talk about the twist because I think this movie lives and dies with the twist. Um, the whole effect of the film hinges on the twist, I think. And if it, if the payoff is big and you're like, Whoa, then you think the movie's great and it was awesome. But if the payoff falls flat, you're like, well, this is dumb. <laughs> okay. So the big twist is what it turns out to be is as Kirk described, basically there, there's this medical phenomenon called the teratoma tumor, which is actually pretty common. Um, yes. With, you know, it is a tumor or, uh, you know, a, what do you call that? Like a, not an ulcer, but you know, you know a I, mass. Yeah. Um, a mass. It's like one of these things that it, the way that it's formed, it, it takes on other physical properties like hair and teeth sometimes if it, if it grows large Fingernails, enough. Yeah, yeah it, it's like developing other anatomical parts to it. So 
pretty common. They, they get it removed. People move on with their life. The thesis here is that that thing was removed from her as a child. It had a whole, you know, it owned a part of her brain and all this stuff. And they just kind of like removed it and sewed her head back up. Well, over time, it was still there growing. And when she got her head smashed against the wall, her head cracked open, basically releasing the demon twin monster Mm -hmm. um, so that she slash him were committing these horrific murders um, together. She would have no recollection of it, et cetera, but it was actually kind of her the whole time. So that is the big twist. I'll start here because I made you start on the last one. And I am not in any way, I am being dead serious when I tell you that I predicted this from the beginning down to everything except for the fact that it was a twin. I knew that it was her. I knew that it had something to do with her head getting smashed against the wall. And that's why this started happening because every time something happened, there was blood on the pillow, mm-hmm. etc. I knew that the lady who was locked away was in her house. I, like I was all over all of that. I knew that it was her and, and all this stuff. And I knew that it was some sort of multiple personalities thing or whatever. Literally the only part of the twist I didn't predict is that it's this horrific creature that's growing out of her back uh, right. <laughs> effectively, <laughs> which right. made it so that when whenever that was like the big twist, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> how stupid is this? You know, that, that, that was my reaction. And I don't know. I want to get your take, Kirk, because I, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not in any way. I promise. I. I will always use false bravado to make myself sound really smart. But I'm seriously not trying to be like, I am so smart. I figured out this twist. I just honestly yeah. had my finger on the pulse of it from the beginning. But I want to know, Kirk. Like, were you on that wavelength? Did the twist have effect? Like, where were you at on that? So I knew different things. So uh, I knew I didn't connect that the that that was the monster was was her. Um, but I I was trying the whole movie like what why is Gabriel uh, you know attached to her? What's funny is that's the word I used in my head. Why is he attached <laughs> to her? And then quite quite literally he was like oh there you go. Uh, I I saw the blood coming, you know, on the back of her head, on her pillow. I was like, okay, obviously this is going to be a big deal. I remember her getting smashed in the head from her ex-husband. You know, all the pieces were there, but I couldn't quite pin it together. I definitely knew that her visions were her. Uh, You know, that's the classic trope to say, who is this guy? Like, no, that's her. That's absolutely her um, running around killing people. That was was simple for me. Um, I just didn't know where the connection was going to be how simple so you thought they were going to secret window us yeah a little bit yeah yeah but yeah Yeah, then it it comes down to like what's with the radio frequency thing which is never explained the radio frequency lights flickering thing um no that's just your classic uh horror trope yeah yeah it's just for effect it's literally just there so that they can do creepy stuff to make you jump Here's here's two things that happened. I literally laughed out loud in disbelief when that thing turned around and it was like, you know, oh, it for sure, like a, for like sure. a pterodactyl. Um, but I was also shocked because I that I did not expect it to be so giant on her back um, and head. <laughs> it, it, it you know popped out of her spine and her neck and her skull. Um, but then there was this we- there was this weird moment where I was like, all right, okay, you got me. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, right. And then and then there was the fight sequence that was a la John Wick. <laughs> oh my lord. Are you talking about the one in the police station? The extensive Holy crap. Police station fight sequence was just so um offbeat to the rest of this film. It, it really was. Um and here's what I hoped that had happened. There's this weird um, there's a couple of weird events that happen in this movie where the CGI graphics are literally video game graphics. 100%. And I was watching that and I was like, wait a second, wait a second. And because Kakoa, uh, the lead detective on the case, was like so bad, I was like, this guy's a video game character. She is confused at what video games are and she's maybe she's like a gamer and we're going to find That find would have been kind of cool actually. Right. And and so we're going to find out she's a gamer and she's she's fallen for this detective, but it's the detective in the game. And she's actually being hunted by the other the other uh, detective, uh, Regina Moss, that she was going to be the real life detective, like or whatever way it was going to play out. Um, but that didn't happen. That never came to fruition. I was very upset about it. Yeah, dude, the I have to say once once the once the twist is revealed and honestly, slightly before it, in, in my experience, the movie becomes absolutely hilarious to watch yes. at that point um, because the action sequences are just preposterous in every possible way. And <laughs> honestly, honestly, very stylish and uh, unique and, and, you know, very like very unique. <laughs> I have to say, and it just, it like, I could, I couldn't stop laughing. I was, I was dying <laughs> in the back half of the movie when she, is in the prison cell and um, just starts laying waste to everybody that's in there. It's it's absolutely hilarious in every way. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't get enough of that part. So yeah, it's interesting. So then <clears throat> really what it comes down to is this. We know, in my opinion, I think James Wan made the movie he wanted to make. I have no doubt in my mind. So there, there are, in my opinion, there are two broad categories of bad movies. There is one, a movie that was bad because of execution, or B, I said one and then B, a movie that is bad because of the thesis, like the premise of the movie is bad. Mm. So in my opinion, like bad because of execution is a movie where they came in, they had a good idea, perhaps, or, or a bad idea, but they came in and it, the movie just didn't go the way that they had envisioned it or their vision was bad or what have you, right? The other one is they executed flawlessly they, or, or, or close to that. They did what they wanted to do, but it didn't have the right effect that they wanted it to have. So the question is, does it fall into that category? Because the goal of the movie was to be absurd. The goal of the movie was to be this like very campy, um, you know, self-aware meta sort of horror film commentary and to be a very different type of horror film and to create this sort of like cult classic feel, which I think they undoubtedly accomplished and did so with style. But the, but the question is like, does that alone make it good? Does that make it good just by its own merit because they went out and made the movie they were trying to make? Or is there another layer of, yeah, you did it, and, and it was a, it was successful, but it also still sucked. Like, is that is that possible? And that's that's the conversation I feel like I'm having in my head with this movie. Yeah, after you explained all of that, it really feels like it's a bit of both. Like, it didn't totally land 
on either, um, but it didn't fail on either of those paths. I, you know, it's not so in my mind when I'm thinking about it, execution versus the perspective of the story told, uh, it really, it got its point across and then it, it, it <laughs> it's a confusing one. I still don't know what my score will be on this movie. That's why this is really exciting. The, the execution of doing the movie that they planned, it mostly did that, except it got a little too weird where it doesn't actually seem like that was part of the vision. Like that fight scene, it doesn't seem like it was part of the vision. I mean, you're crouching tiger hidden dragon in the, in the scene. It doesn't make sense. There should have just been some brutal murders for like a minute and a half versus a six and a half minute uh, Kung Fu fight scene. Uh, that didn't make sense to me. Um, and, and remind me of the second part again. Uh, it's, it's the movie fails because of the, the premise or the thesis versus yes. the execution. So then, so then to that effect, you know, it, it everything was p- placed on the line for, uh, for the twist and to, to that effect, the twist, neither of us got it right. I've, I highly doubt there are people who got it precisely right. No, right. There's, I, I, I would be shocked if someone got it 100% right. Yeah. There are all these traces and there's not really red herrings, but there are, it, it really was right under our noses. Um, to that effect, it mostly, it got that right more than the first part. See, I, I disagree. I think the execution was more right than the premise because okay. I feel like, and I, I want to disagree. I'm glad that we have disagreement on this. I think our fun I actually can't wait to hear the scores because I think this <laughs> this can go any number of directions. Uh, so I'm excited. But I like so the fight scene, I feel like I feel like this whole thing was almost a bit of a commentary on horror from a guy who's been working in the horror genre for a long time. And so he was sort of poking fun at the whole notion of you know, really he covered a lot of bases. Paranormal type horror film, slasher, monster movies you know, gore fest type movies, you know, he covered a lot of bases with the horror genre. Um, but like that fight scene for, for instance, is sort of this, you know, just totally unapologetic, like, Hey, in, in any horror movie, when there's this sort of thing that is lurking around and you don't know what it is, as soon as you see that thing, that the whole effect of the movie hinges on that. It mm-hmm. does. It just does. It has to be, if you're going to like the movie, you're going to be horrified of that thing. If you're going to be like, ah, stupid, it's going to be goofy. And you're going to be like, whatevs. Right. Um, that to me is just, that's the horror genre in a nutshell, kind of. And so for this thing, he was like, yep, here it is. It's absolutely (laughs) preposterous. Let me show you how preposterous it is. It's going to go and slaughter everybody in crazy video game fashion for the next seven minutes and so I, I, like i did feel like that was intentional and maybe i'm wrong i would love i would love love to talk to him about this movie because i think um he obviously had a very clear vision for it and, and i think uh i my opinion is that he executed to the fullest extent of that vision but for me on the other side of the coin of is is the premise good enough this is where i struggle because i have to ask myself was i entertained the whole movie yeah, I like I watched it end to end. I didn't shut it off and then turn it back on. I didn't I didn't lose interest. I watched it late at night. I did not like 
fall asleep or anything. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was legitimately into it the whole time. So that seems like a good indicator. But when the, when the, when the twist was revealed, I was like, that is so dumb. And <laughs> the rest of the movie, I was just like, this is so dumb. This is so dumb. This is insanely dumb. I can't believe this. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't really watch it again unironically. So and, that's where I struggle because it's like, I, I guess really anybody who would be watching it again would be watching it ironically. And first of all, <laughs> right? I got a couple of points. Yeah, I, I, I loved everything you said. Um, first of all, I just kept thinking of uh, Maximus in, uh, in gladiator. Are you entertained? <laughs> I mean, I was James Wan. And, I was. Yes. Yes. Uh, what's funny is because even though, despite I, I openly laughed out loud when that thing turned around, and I was like, "Whoa!" For know? sure, goo. You know, to to quote Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> I also, at the very same time, thought, "That's great. That's 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 awesome." Because <laughs> where else? What else would you have done to make this make? any kind of sense that this random girl is connected to linked to this creature that's been killing things right. that is her uh is her 100 that's great even though i was laughing i loved it um it made me think a lot of my my affinity my love for uh for the phantasm series and uh looking to our i don't know left or right whichever way it is mirrored to us malignant i mean that's basically the phantasm uh lettering uh, right there yeah Uh, even with like the the sharp knife coming down you know there's five phantasm films about a tall man who takes corpses and resurrects them and makes them his uh literally his Jawa slaves. He, he condenses their bodies to, and puts them in Brown robes. And so (laughs) to do his bidding on his alien planet. And there's something brilliant about that. That series is that it knows and it doesn't know how bad it is. And this movie knew more that it, that it was what it was going for. Um, And it was entertaining, but I actually, I think that's why I'm so mad at the fight scene. You make such a great point. Like, this is so preposterous. Look how preposterous I can be. But I was so mad because I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> that thing is on her back. But touche, you got me. Let's see where this thing goes. There's 30 yeah, minutes left right. in this movie. Um, and I think that's why I was uh, offended by the by the fight scene so much because I was I was relying more on the premise of the film and the success of that versus the execution and campiness of it all. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a tough cookie. I think for final thoughts, I mean, I think just overall James Wan has hilariously and in my opinion, intentionally made a film that's basically critic proof in every possible way. Yes. And I think that, um, it's really hard to pull, poke holes on it in it for this reason. If you say it's stupid, he would say, that's the point. If you say it's not scary, he would say, that's the point. If you yeah. say it's campy, that's the point. It's absurd. Yeah. Um, he's like, yeah, that's, that's the movie I tried to make. And so you just are left with like, you know, that meme where the guy like puts up his finger and he's like, eh, like yeah. starts to say, you're that guy. Uh, he's just like, you don't really have anywhere else to turn. So for me, I think again, James Wan made the movie he wanted to make. It was his, it, 
I think it had the desired effect. And I think that the twist is one that people will talk about. I think that it's one of these things where there will be a, a horde of people out there in this world, similar to like Evil Dead, um, though I love the Evil Dead movies. There will be a horde of people out there in this world who are like, oh, you have to watch Malignant. Like yes. there, there will 100% be <laughs> that group of people and kudos to them. I think they're great. Um, but I'm not going to watch it again. And, <laughs> and I can't even honestly say that I and loved it even though it did keep me you know engaged the whole time i just i even though i was laughing hysterically at the end of the movie i was like this is just so unbelievably dumb so i'm giving it the only fair score i feel like i can based on that information which is a, a straight right down the middle 5.0 <laughs> excellent excellent i came into tonight with zero score i had no idea what i in fact i, I came into tonight thinking I'm going to give it an I for incomplete. Like I'll, I'll get back to you <laughs> later or an IOU. Uh, perhaps this, this uh, open forum discussion was quite wonderful because ultimately I think it made me reconsider my, my love hate for this movie and that it really um, it's better than it seems. The more you really think about it. However, a film shouldn't have to get better the more you think about it. It should have yeah. <laughs> an initial <laughs> strong um, impact on you. Uh, so my score is is similar to you, but as I've uh, discussed my feelings in this uh, in this uh, popcorn for popcorn for therapy session, I think <laughs> I think that my score is slightly higher than yours because of the weird love I have for that type of movie and probably because I lie more on the premise uh, that I was, I was hoping for it to be a good turnout and got to give this a 5.5 out of 10. Kernels. I like it. I like it. Yes. So that's malignant. I, I have to get your opinions guys. I ask for it every <laughs> week. I, I, I do. And, and I try to be kind about it. Like, Oh, send us your opinions in this movie. If you've seen, if you have seen this movie, you must reach out to us because I have to know your thoughts. I just do. Um, I had more than one person reach out to me after I had already seen the movie and go, have you seen this? You have to watch it. <laughs> so yes. I know that there are opinions out there. I just don't know what they are and I want them. I, I want all of them so that I can further critique it. But I feel like for me, the, the telling thing was I thought about going back and rewatching it. Um, for this review and I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I think that for me really cemented my score. I was like, I can't even watch this movie again. Cause it was so stinking insane and crazy that I just like, I don't even know where to begin, but uh, that's malignant. It's on HBO max for, you know, the next, uh, you know, like 20 something days or whatever. It's also in theaters. So if you, if you prefer the in theater experience, go for it. I would love to hear. So I did not check it out in theaters. Kirk, I think you watched it at home as well. We sort of took mm -hmm. the weekend, at home uh, this last weekend, but I have to know what the in theater experience was like for this movie. Like yes. the crowd reaction had to be so polarized. <laughs> like there had to be people who were laughing, like riotously laughing and other people who were just like dead fate, like dead staring at it being like, what? Um, I, yeah, I have to know because that, that, that's just hilarious in my head to, to think about. So <laughs> it would definitely be a fantastic movie experience. And maybe the movie experience of this film is far superior to, yeah, to the, the it's such experience. a great point. Yeah. I think, 
that that's always the the missing variable whenever we do this um yeah <laughs> it's it's a great it's a great question but i'm still laughing with that image in my head of people watching in theaters but um yeah anyway let us know if you've seen it uh few housekeeping things before we let you guys go like i said i'm on vacay next week um kirk and i are going to hop in the studio tomorrow to record what if episode six reaction for for spilled popcorn so that'll be coming monday of next week but i believe that will be all the podcasts that we have for you next week is just that what if reaction our tentative plan is to see dear evan hansen for our next review which will be two weeks from friday the 17th. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's sort of what's next in the hopper. And then from there, man, buckle in because the, the big movies start rolling and they don't stop for the end of the year. We've got uh, venom and Dune and no time to die. And just, I mean, banger after banger, huge blockbuster titles that we're going to be checking out. So we're taking mm-hmm. a brief hiatus before the storm and then we're going to get right back into it for you guys. So, should be a good time. Um, I'll miss you all on, on vacay, but uh, please like, subscribe, tell your friends, do do whatever. We appreciate the support as always. Um, and we appreciate the support of our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, who is always helping us out to make sure we're sounding good, as well as our original music, which is by the band Rhetoric. Check those guys out wherever you can find music, and we'll see you guys in a little while. Talk to you then. <laughs>